0: Go Team Venture! Welcome to Go Team Venture! I am your host, Justin Blomquist, and with me always is my co-host...
1: Deanna Beaton!
0: This, of course, is the podcast where once a week we go through another episode of the recently cancelled Venture Brothers animated series. I'm a long-time fan, but Deanna is seeing each episode fresh and new each week. This week, we are discussing the episode, Hate Floats, written by Jackson Public and Doc Hammer. Deanna, could you give us a TV guide? Here's what's happening this week on The Venture Brothers.
1: I don't know why I'm caught off guard by this question every single week. Okay, what did happen in this episode? Um, So the monarch is out of prison, and he gets henchmen 21 and 24 and asks them to reassemble a crew and also reassemble the flying kike nope cocoon is the (laughs) word um and then the b plot is unclear there's stuff going on with dr girlfriend i don't even remember what the, I don't remember what the, the, B, the B plot's more like are doing.
0: the family going shopping, I think.
1: Yeah, it was like it's just that they <sighs> went to the mall, but then things, you know. And
0: things escalate from there. And I think
1: that's, that's good enough. Yeah.
0: Uh, so the IMDb log line goes The monarch who has escaped from prison and the henchmen reassemble to serve him. Dr. Venture takes Dean on a shopping uh, to a shopping mall and the family gets ambushed by the Monarch who was there attempting to win back Dr. Girlfriend. He wasn't even there for them. He was there for Dr. Girlfriend. That's Mm -hmm. what they say. And that's basically what happens, but there's a whole mishmash of things that occurs in between there and we are going to break it down beat by beat.
1: (laughs) This actually felt like I did watch Wonder Woman 1984. Um, Uh, on HBO Max. And it actually, this episode reminds me of that in that it feels very 80s. It feels like going to the mall, mm-hmm. such an 80s thing, like between Stranger Things and 1984, just celebrating all things capitalism and mall related. This felt like a little throwback to a time when you would just run into people at the mall, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. People uh, younger than us most likely do not understand that situation. Uh, yeah. Wanted to bring up, first and foremost, a note from the book that Doc Hammer presents. He says that uh, the season premiere, of course, occurred, but to him, this episode is truly where the show's second season begins because they wrote the season finale – sorry, the season premiere and this basically back-to-back, and they are, in ways, a two-parter. And he was saying, you know, that first mm-hmm. part was just, you know – we want to get him out of prison. We want to get the boys uh, you know, resurrected. We'll learn all about that. But the new season truly begins, he says, uh, the proper payment was just a reset, but this is the first time where everyone's really starting up again and mm-hmm. getting going on this new journey.
1: I agree with that sentiment. I, I definitely feel like this is a new start, and this feels like a separate season than the last episode we just watched, which was technically the first episode of the second season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause that last episode I did not like, and it didn't feel like it belonged to the first season and it doesn't feel like it belongs to this second episode. It feels like it was a mistake. I'm going to say that. Um, but yeah, I liked, I liked this episode a lot.
0: Yeah, like he said, that one was the reset they needed to get everyone back, like alive and back to where they should be. And yeah. then this is where, we're, okay, now, now we're gonna see now that he's out of prison, what is the monarch doing? Which is where right. we start. So yeah. the episode opens with Tenchman Twenty One, who we now know is Gary. Uh, he's living at home and he's working on, like, I guess he's a, a comic book collector, and he like has a hotline where like you can call in. The Atomic Comic Collection Connection is what he keeps saying when he answers the phone.
1: Mm-hmm. And he looks. Almost exactly like a comic book guy from The Simpsons.
0: Yes, slash like Kevin Smith. Yes. Yeah, no, <laughs> Although set. I'm going
1: to go ahead and say that Kevin Smith modeled his look after comic book guy from The Simpsons.
0: <laughs> nah, I'd say that's true. I'd say that's fair.
1: Or it's just a genetic everyone- that is that deep into it. Just they all have to look like that. I don't know.
0: Yeah, they have to have the the parted bangs in the front, the little mm-hmm. ponytail in the back, <laughs> and uh, just be overweight to some degree.
1: Those parted bangs send me every time <laughs> I see them.
0: <laughs> uh, so he's uh, working these phone systems, and who calls up at twenty four? And he's saying, "Hey, how's it going?" And uh, just as he's saying hello, uh, he gets another call, and it's the monarch, and the monarchs, you know, saying, "Hey." What's going on? 21's like, oh, hey, I'll put you guys on thruway. And then the monarch starts chewing them out for, of course, following his orders and destroying the cocoon. He's like, anyone want to tell me why my cocoon's destroyed?
1: And at that point, I was like, okay, even I know why the cocoon is destroyed. <laughs> so if I can keep up with this, you need to get your stuff together, monarch. Because yeah, so- Lord knows I, I don't remember anything.
0: And, of course, then 21 and 24 start defending themselves. You can't yell at us for following orders. We were just following orders. You you can't kill us for following orders either.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just for the record, you also cannot kill us
0: for following Uh, orders. The monarch then says, you know, okay, that's fine. I'm going to go hop in the shower. But while I'm in the shower, I want to come back and I want to see this place fully manned and fully operational. And Like, well, that's going to be a problem we're kind of the only two henchmen left. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, they all, after you went to jail, they all kind of went to work for Monstroso. And I wrote that down because that we meet Monstroso years later, but they, they always have these names they drop and then but like, you don't see them for like two seasons, but they've like thought of them way ahead of time.
1: Yeah. I hope that Monstroso is a reference to um, the plant because there's like a Monstera plant and <clears throat> or maybe also like a Mon- Monstero That's my hope, that it is a knockoff of Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors, and it is a monster based on a plant.
0: That would be cool. I'm not going to say anything more than that, but I do (laughs) love Little Shop of Horrors. That is a great musical. Love it. Okay, so uh, they hang up the phone with the monarch. uh, And then I just thought, like, really, how much does he expect to get accomplished while he's in the shower? Like, they're going to rebuild the cocoon and get all these men together in, what, 20 minutes? I don't shower that long. I mean, on an <laughs> average day, sure, like maybe 15. But I don't know what the monarchs is expecting them to do in a half an hour shower time.
1: If you um, have such low water pressure as I do in my new apartment, it'll, you'll at least stretch that out to like a 45-minute shower. So maybe because it is the cocoons all tore up, maybe as water pressure is especially low. So it's going to be like a three-hour shower maybe.
0: Oh, and then we also see too that because the cocoon is <laughs> sideways that he like he's like following down this hallway as if yeah. it's like a giant chasm, <laughs> so maybe it's going to take him a while just to even get to the shower, so. oh,
1: that's true, yeah
0: uh, but so twenty four says so we right over to pick up twenty one and then we get this great sequence where twenty one yeah. goes to his closet door and he starts like touching invisible buttons and making sound effects as if he's like opening up a giant safe like batman
1: do do yeah, that was a very cute little. I don't even know. It was like pre pentatonics little a cappella. It's like, I want to say air guitar, but there's no, they're just, yeah, making like music with their mouth. What a yeah. stupid way to say things.
0: And so, <laughs> but the, it's the, so cute. The song they're doing, I wrote down because I love this. Uh, it's from this symphony by Gustav Holst called The Planets. And, this oh, is, it's
1: a real thing. This
0: is particularly the song Mars bringer of war yeah and um i remember seeing an interview with doc hammer and jackson public and someone had asked them like you know what made you decide to use that song for that scene and they say it's because it's the song that's featured in the trailer for the david bowie film the man who fell to earth mm. uh, if you ever watched the trailer like it's kind of cool like you know this man came from out of nowhere he had new technologies and all these things and as the trailer starts going on, this song builds up and then like starts playing that really loud, like escalation of dun, 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 as like the clips get faster and faster and more manic in the trailer. It's very cool to see, but hmm. mostly see, because it was used in that David Bowie movie is why they thought mm-hmm. it was cool to use it here.
1: Now, when you sing it, it does sound familiar, but in, when I was watching it, it did not sound familiar at all.
0: Yeah. Uh But yeah, it's, it's fantastic, and then yeah, the, the twenty four shows up also singing it acapella, like as if he knows twenty one is singing it too. Yes,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so cute,
0: and which then, I'm uh, sure
1: is what they were going for. I'm sure that they were going for a woman in her thirties to be like, "Oh, look how cute this cartoon is they made."
0: <laughs> and then of course uh, he picks him up, and twenty um, four's or twenty one's dog follows him into the car as well, which is cute. Mm-hmm. Misty, get out of here! And More then we cut cute. Her. And now we're uh, back from credits. We see that uh, Brock and Rusty are impatiently waiting for the boys to finish their incubation period mm-hmm. and wake up. <laughs> uh, when they do, the boys are back in their PJs and they have a birthday cake ready for them, telling them it's their 16th birthday. Rusty almost says 15th birthday, mm-hmm. but if you catch it. <laughs> and then Brock gives them uh, their venture compound IDs, which he says are still good, even though they're burnt around the edges, which Hank notices. He's, he's like, what's going on with these? Uh, lamination fire.
1: <laughs> yeah, what What are those IDs of, like, what, did I miss something?
0: They don't really say, I I just assume they're, like, cards they used to, like, get on the property. I imagine they're, like, security cards in this giant compound they live in. Mm. But they just say, here, here are your ID cards. I imagine they're, like, venture-branded ID cards is what I imagine.
1: I see, because I was, like, trying to figure out, because it's their 16th birthday, which is when you can drive, but it's like, you don't just get IDs because you're 16, you get a license, but you have to, you know, like take a test and stuff. So yeah, I, I was just, I thought I missed something for sure. I don't
0: think they have their driver's licenses either because as we learn later on, Hank is not Mm -hmm. used to driving. (laughs) And we even see in later episodes than like taking driver's tests or like practicing the driver's test at home. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like that Hank is, looks at his ID he's like, Well, wait a second, if the date on this ID is correct, I should be way older than sixteen and they like cut him off like, No, don't don't bother with that, don't bother with that.
1: Yes, very interesting. I wish I knew what numbers were on that ID.
0: Well, it's funny too, is that like In the book I have, the Venture Brothers book, they show those IDs, but they x out all the information. Oh. As as if it's like a a government form. Like, they they can't show any information about where their addresses are or what their birthdates are. It just says Hank and Dean. As if it's, Mm -hmm. like, privatized information. I was like, damn it. I was hoping to get answers. Oh. Uh, Rusty then tells them to never mind the IDs, but to get ready for a great big day. They're going to go out and do something for their birthday. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. cutting back to 21 and 24, uh, they're now trying to recruit henchmen in what appears to be a very dangerous neighborhood.
1: Yeah. It's like, uh, I want to say what the media has told me New York City in the 80s was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very <laughs> downtrodden. like If you've ever seen a yeah. Death Wish 3, it looks like that.
1: Yeah. A little bit of the Warriors going on.
0: Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, 21's in his full henchman uniform and 24 is dressed as, like, just a person on the street, and they're very scriptedly doing, like, you know, hello, sir, have you ever wanted to be a henchman? No, I have never thought of such a thing. What would it entice? <laughs> what <Yeah>. would <laughs> entice me to do so? <laughs> but you know <laughs> what? They, it works. Yeah, they give a whole spiel about, oh, you you get a, a dart gun and a grappling hook and, you know, all those things. And the people who only seem to be interested are a bunch of, quote-unquote, gangsters, I would say. yeah. <laughs> guys with you know one guy's wearing like a bulletproof vest already and like a big gold chain oh is he i missed that i was just noticed, like on this time <laughs> around he's like oh he's already wearing body armor just like, <laughs> walking around his neighborhood yeah just caricatures of thugs very much so uh but of course uh <laughs> these are people who already carry guns who don't care about getting dark guns <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh we then see the monarch has finally left finally left his shower and I noticed that he's carrying, like, a shower caddy, like you would when you were in college. You'd, like, go down, down the hallway. Oh, like yes. He shared showers. Yes. I so like, he's got a shower caddy for some reason. Uh, and then as he's walking along what we assume was the floor, the uh, cocoon uprights itself, and he now falls down to the ground, which I thought was a funny gag.
1: That was a very good bit, yes.
0: And then uh, he's coming into the throne room and seeing 21 and 24 and these new recruits, and he's like, hey... Are we floating? Seriously? Like, you guys did what I told you to do?
1: <laughs> they couldn't even return that movie that one time, but all of a sudden, in what may be between 20 minutes and three hours, they have corrected the ship and found a crew.
0: Yeah, I, I love that you keep bringing it up. Yeah, they <laughs> they attempted to return a VHS copy of Working Girl at some point, but couldn't it's do so
1: it. It's <laughs> so relatable that it just sticks with me, you know? <laughs>
0: Uh, he says they were able to get the cocoon back up to snuff with the help of their new henchmen who were able to steal materials from Sergeant Hatred's hover tank. I just bring this up because we will meet Sergeant Hatred in a few episodes as well.
1: Sergeant Hatred.
0: He becomes a main character at some point. I'll, I'll just say that right mm. now. But of course, 21 and 24 are running into trouble being in charge of these new recruits because they won't respect them because they are numbers 21 and 24. Like, hey boss, can't you switch us to like two and one or one and two? <laughs> And, of course, the monarch tries to get the attention of uh, the, the new recruits, and one of them steps up like, you call me number one. Uh, but the monarch is excited to have some tough new young go-getters, and he says they're going to be there for, to put together his latest plan, which is to get back Dr. Girlfriend. hmm And I just uh, said that the uh, the scene ends with 21 saying, I smell weed.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, I'm sure you do. These caricatures of thugs from the hard streets of... Insert city name here. Yeah, I'm sh- sure that you do.
0: Yeah, I think even when they were panning through, like showing them first inside the cocoon, a couple of them were like drinking 40s.
1: <laughs> yep, I miss that too. But I am sure that they were. Uh, this was also like the music behind the scene where they were trying to recruit them. And then this scene, it was like this, again, very stereotypical like record scratching like stock rap music oh, yeah. that was like this is borderline offensive maybe at the least it's just offensive to the concept of music
0: <laughs> like
1: like the way that like disco duck was like that is offensive to disco and how like in the early 90s everything that could be capitalized tried to like jump on the rap bandwagon like the Adams family rap let's say <sighs> I Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles rap, oh, the way I, that those are offensive to music.
0: You're just, you're making me relive my childhood. I'm just like, oh yeah, I was there. Oh for yeah. That. Oh yeah, I yes. was there for that.
1: Absolutely, our childhood for sure. But that's what this music reminded me of that's playing underneath these two scenes.
0: This is, yeah, very just generic.
1: cringeworthy. Boop, t-ching, t-ching. I'm
0: going to cut that out because that was pathetic. <laughs> um, we now see Dean and Rusty are at the mall, uh, they're going clothes shopping. And Rusty very obviously wants to mold Dean into another Rusty. So he's buying him what he calls a speed suit.
1: Interesting Uh, verbiage verbiage for his... What is a
0: speed suit, Deanna? What is it technically?
1: It is the outfit that Rusty wears, which is a jumpsuit. A short sleeve jumpsuit with a belt on it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I like that he's like, you know... Later on, he's like sizing him up after, after Dean's dressed in it. He's like, you know, now it should be a good six inches below your crotch.
1: Yeah.
0: <sighs> that's way too much material. <laughs> but yeah, see, so Rusty is like, you know, this is the outfit you're going to wear for the rest of your life kind of thing because that's what he does. And he, of course, just wants another little Rusty because that's what he wants.
1: Which did remind me the, the thought that he wears that outfit and nothing else just reminded me of how, you know, like Steve Jobs would wear like those white sneakers and those jeans and that black turtleneck and like how, you know, high up important people are like, I, I just wear the same thing so I don't have to think about it because I have more important things to think about. And it's like, hmm, all of those mogul type people are in the same vein as Rusty Venture here.
0: This is a thing that keeps coming up with our show that also happens in the movie The Fly with Jeff Goldblum. Like that movie just keeps Does coming he do up. that? Like, yeah. It's like he sees Junior Davis one day and then like she like sees him like two days later and he's wearing the exact same outfit. And like I think they're like at his apartment. She's like she's like, weren't you just wearing that the other day? He's like, uh yeah. And you see his closet, he has like identical shirts and sweater vests and tweed jackets.
1: And sweater vests and tweed jackets. <laughs> what a dork. I love Jeff Goldblum.
0: He's the best. <laughs> we then cut to the exterior of this same mall, and we're now seeing Phantom Lim and Dr. Girlfriend parking their car and walking towards the building. Uh, the monarch is, of course, in the flying cocoon, trying to like stealthily follow them in this giant... I don't even know how big this thing is, 100 feet tall?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to tell by the like the lack of size context they keep putting it into
0: yeah so. it's, it's hard to see how big this thing is but it did
1: dodge behind a tree somehow so uh, yeah who knows.
0: i think it went over the horizon but that was me maybe it was just a very tall horizon but yeah so they're trying to like hover close and monarch's like she's turning around quick evasive maneuvers and of course she like sees it above her shoulder she's like oh yes unsurprisingly he's, he's following me although phantom limb doesn't see anything and just assumes she's like did you, did you forget something? Uh, Yeah, I think i left something in the car. Yeah. And then uh, we're now back inside the mall again. And Dean is now wearing his speed suit. It's red with a white collar. And he says, I look like Santa's magic janitor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very funny joke and very accurate.
0: Very much so. And of course, the, the sales lady is like, should I box it up for you? Oh, no. The young man will be wearing it out. So why was he
1: only shopping for dean if they're twins
0: again i think rusty you'll find has a a favoritism towards dean because he sees Mm. himself in dean more than he sees Mm -hmm. himself in hank hank is kind of that loose cannon he's a bit more athletic than rusty ever was Mm -hmm. more of a wild card i think rusty thinks he can mold dean into something is what but hank is already too far gone He, he can't change what hank is but he can maybe make dean a little more rusty
1: that is okay. Yeah, that all makes sense. And so then that just even further proves what a terrible dad he is. That he would have literal twin boys and it's both of their birthdays, but only one of them. <laughs> he has like this big surprise planned, even though it's a terrible surprise, but still.
0: Yeah, that's
1: obvious favoritism.
0: Did your mother ever like pick out outfits for you? At- At a certain age.
1: Oh God, there was, nobody could tell me anything since before I was able to speak. All of my family members have all of these stories from when I was like one and two and literally like pre-verbal, but it was like, Deanna, you wanted whatever you wanted. Nobody could help you with anything. Nobody could tell you to do anything. Nobody could give suggestions even before you could speak. Uh, So, no, my mom did not pick out outfits for me. I would not allow it.
0: Yeah, whereas I was the kind <laughs> of, I was so indecisive as a kid because I, I never wanted to be the one to be like, I want that. And then someone would say, no, you're not going to get that. So I would <clears> always, <throat> always just be like, I don't know, uh, whatever I should get. And so, yeah, until, <laughs> until I was like, eleven I would say. Like she would like pick out like, you know, well oh, this this shirt and these shorts make a nice outfit. And then here with these shorts too, you can have two outfits now. It's the same shirt and two different shorts. Isn't that neat? And uh it was that kind of thing up until I was like twelve where I was like okay flannel shirts and jeans, Mom. It's it's nineteen ninety four. I think I should mm-hmm. just be picking out my own clothes now.
1: Those yeah that those are definitely the clothes to pick out in nineteen ninety four.
0: Yeah. Uh but yeah I was I can just picture myself like wearing like this like purple shirt and teal shorts that like somehow worked together because they were complementary. Oh, they
1: absolutely do.
0: Oh yeah. But yeah, mom sure. being like, isn't that a cute outfit? I'm like, I don't want it to be an outfit. Like <laughs> just, just say, aren't those nice clothes? Mom. <laughs> Boys don't yeah. wear outfits. Uh, anyway, uh, we now see Phantom Lim and Dr. Girlfriend are in a kind of kitchenware store. And he's going on about like how – this company knows better about knives because they don't have serrations.
1: No, what he says is, and I shouted out, yes, in agreement. As soon as he said it was that this place understands that serration is only needed for bread. You don't need serrated knives for meat. Or vegetables, or fruit. You only need serration to cut bread, and it's so true.
0: That is true. That is true. <laughs> my, my sister, who went through culinary school, taught me all about the different oh, yeah. of knives and what they were all good for. So yeah, yeah, you uh, know I, what's up. I have a serrated knife, and I only use it for cutting bread.
1: <laughs> the only serrated knife that we have is a like one of those big, long bread ones. Nice. I think that's true, but I try to teach my husband why the paring knife is not like for cutting meat and stuff and he couldn't oh, no. possibly be better. Perry
0: knife is like for fruit and maybe <laughs> some vegetables, but for the most part I just use a kitchen knife for just about everything.
1: I try to tell him that. He doesn't understand. I get it. Hey, I mean that's not one of the battles I'm gonna die on.
0: Nope, nope, nope. He 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 can cut himself as far as I'm concerned. No, no please don't <laughs> please don't cut yourself. Adam, don't cut yourself. <laughs> uh, he will or
1: he won't. We'll see.
0: Yeah. So uh, he's going on about this fancy cookware and she says I am literally having the hardest time focusing on whatever you are saying. <laughs> like this is so boring. I'm gonna go get some food. He Which does seem
1: like, very boring. Despite the fact that I agree with his um knife preferences. He he is immensely boring.
0: Yeah. And he's like, Oh well we'll have a, a party and I'll invite over so and so and so and so. And she's like, I could not care less. Like, well, I'm gonna stay here. I'm not gonna run out of pickle forks for the party. And like pickle forks? Come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they got little two prongs, I think. Those are probably
0: those are yeah i mean we do have a relish tray for the holidays and it does have a little <laughs> wooden two-pronged fork for the pickled stuff so yes
1: <laughs> honestly that feels very wisconsin to me
0: i have a relish dish at yes holidays oh yeah <laughs> it's usually uh green olives black olives and pickled beets is, is the relish tray
1: i would say no no and no
0: Although I, uh, in the past couple years, have discovered pickled herring. Ooh, it's so good. Oh, no, it's the best. Eat it, Dan. Eat it. I might I eat
1: it, and then I would I would vomit. I'm yeah. that kind of person.
0: I Yeah, so I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so we now are seeing Brock and Hank are at the mall as well. Uh, they're currently hanging in the hardware store. Brock is buying a new caulking gun, and Hank has a Nerf football uh, still in its box. And, uh, of course... Hank's like, Why are you buying a caulking gun, Brock? Oh, I don't know, because the one I had was broken somehow. Oh, gee, I, I wonder how that happened. Brock throws the ball for Hank, and of course Hank runs into 24 and the new henchmen who are also at the mall, because as they're as we learned they're trying to like do something with Dr. Girlfriend. They followed her there and they're trying to find her, but of course Hank runs into them. They didn't even notice it's Hank though until he starts running away, and then 24 is like, Oh my god. <laughs>
1: A recurring theme is that they literally have the ventures in their grasp, and then let them go, and then they're like, "Oh shoot, that's yeah. who that was."
0: Uh, we are now seeing Doctor Girlfriend, and I put down she purchasing the world's largest cinnabon. The thing it was like it was like that big. I've never eaten a cinnabon, but I didn't know that they were that big. I don't know; they're
1: pretty big. Of uh, course, cinnabon is only a thing that I ever buy in airports,
0: and I just never have purchased one, so I don't know how big they are, but. You've never I said, had a Cinnabon? I, no, I never have. But I, just, I said to myself, that is the largest cinnabon, cinnamon bun I've ever seen in my life.
1: I wish I could tell you they were even that good. I don't remember them ever being good. But it's one of those things where whenever you get off of the airplane and you're walking down that hallway before you actually get into the airport, mm-hmm. and they will pump the smell of Cinnabon like, into those hallways – so that as soon as you get off the airplane, you're like, oh, yeah, Cinnabon. Um, they're ginormous. They're very expensive because it's in an airport. And those things obviously always cost like six times their actual value. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't remember them ever being good.
0: Well, that's probably why I never got them. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say they're the best thing in the world.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you always hear somebody be like, oh, God, I can't believe I spent that much because I was trapped in a, in a building.
0: Yeah. I was trying to think of a story to go along with being trapped in a building, but I couldn't think of it. (laughs) We then see that the monarch is confronting Dr. Girlfriend and he says, I forgive you. And then starts giving her (laughs) butterfly kisses, he says, which he learned in prison. Do you know what butterfly kisses are, Deanna?
1: Oh, of course. There's that um, that song that for most of the 90s and probably a lot of the 2000s was the required father-daughter dance song at every wedding. Please do tell. Okay,
0: I know that song. I didn't know it was "Butterfly Kisses" were the words.
1: Yes. I'm terrible with
0: like knowing the lyrics to songs. I just like I hear a melody and just like yeah, that's that song. The words, I don't know. Yeah. For those of you who are listening and don't know, butterfly kisses are when uh, you get super close with your eyelashes, and then like you flutter your eyelashes with another person's eyelashes.
1: Mm-hmm. Or you, it doesn't have to be on their eyelashes; just your eyelashes on the other person, like on their okay. cheek or something. Okay.
0: Uh, but we now see Doctor Girlfriend is, of course, very upset to see him there. She tells him that if he wants to, uh, oh yeah, if you want to follow me in stealth mode, till twenty four, the cocoon can't be in fourth gear. Yep. She knows what's up. And, of course, he's, like, pleading her to come back. He's like, the cocoon's really messed up. I, I don't even know if I can fix it. There are just so many buttons. So many buttons. <laughs> and then she says, you know, well, do you want me back because you want me back and you love me? Or because you want me back because I can fix your tree for it? Mm-hmm. And they start to actually have a kind of a heart-to-heart conversation. But, of course, simultaneously, 24 is radioing into the monarch's earpiece, telling him that they have found Rusty and the boys totally unawares and they can totally ambush them right here and now. And he's trying to have dual conversations, the monarch with Dr. Girlfriend and 24, but eventually she realizes what he's doing. Yells at him for like, you know, trying to do the same old thing again. And just as they're kind of like getting into a frenzy, Oh, and we see that 21 and the other henchmen are in the cocoon hearing this conversation, like hearing him getting yelled at by Dr. Girlfriend. Oh, yeah. And the new gangster guy who, like, loving it, like, oh, man, he's getting his ass torn out by his girl. This is fucking hilarious.
1: Yep. It's a very, um, is it Cyrano de Bergerac moment? Very Shakespearean sort of to. Trying to have two conversations at once, kind of moment.
0: Yeah. So uh, as she's yelling at him, she starts to walk away, but the monarch is now on his knees, holding her, like begging her to stay. And while this is happening, we now see that Phantom Limb is charging at him across the food court that they're in. They a monarch, unhand that woman! Uh, the monarch then quickly darts Dr. Girlfriend at the neck. She's unconscious. And he tries to get Phantom Limb a few times with his darts, but Phantom Limb is. Super quick and is like swatting the darts out of the air with his like super powered limbs.
1: Yeah, I was like, I was so his limbs, which are invisible, I guess, because he's walking and he's higher than yeah. Still his, his confused about what's impl- going on. Completely with his invisible. Limbs.
0: That's, that's completely confirmed. invisible,
1: but they are there. But they're also like armor or something.
0: So we find out that uh, with his he can touch you and like mess you up with like supercharged energy like
1: electricity or something we see that later in this episode
0: but like as he uses his powers you kind of see his uh nervous system like light up almost like they're electrical when he's like doing stuff so you'll see like as he's swatting these darts away his like nerves like flash within his arms like as for a moment it's really kind of a cool animation thing
1: yeah it is it does look cool
0: um so he's charging the food court he's knocking the darts down but the uh, monarch quickly launches his wings that are on his uniform, and what do you know? They actually work! And he's actually <laughs> flying through the air. And then, Yeah, uh, those,
1: those prison wings.
0: Uh, just as we see all this happening, uh, the other henchmen try to rush Brock and the family. Brock thinks quickly and pushes Hank and Dean down a down escalator mm-hmm. to get them out of harm's way. Uh, and then we cut back to the monarch for this moment, and then <laughs> He's doing this sing-song thing. If you want to describe what this is, Deanna, because it's a whole thing that this is about, if you want to understand that.
1: Oh, I I don't... I mean, I just remember that he was like... It was basically like inter, his internal monologue, but I didn't know if it was like a reference to anything. It was weird because they've never done internal monologue before, but it was like... It, it was obviously like a moment... And I thought that it was in reference to something and I don't have a clue what it would
0: be. So uh, as they're flying, her totally unconscious with her jaw slack. <laughs> uh, this kind of light music comes in and the monarch starts his kind of sing song poem. he's saying by saying, can you read my mind? And he goes on to like say this thing, like, can you read my mind? And this whole spoken word thing that's in his head is a spoof of the 1978 Superman movie with Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder. Ah, when Superman takes Lois Lane out flying for the first time, they're like flying in the air and she Mm -hmm. in her head goes, can you read my mind? And like, does this like sing song thing because it was supposed to be a song that Margot Kidder was like going to be like sing, And she was like, I am not a singer. I don't feel comfortable doing this. Like, Mm -hmm. well, how about you do like a spoken word, like sing song thing. She's like that I can do, but it it opens with, can you read my mind? And so, yeah, if you've seen that movie, you know, (laughs) he's referencing.
1: Oh my gosh, so dumb. I like that. But yeah, it was. It. Oh god, he's the worst. Um. He. Well, he's not the worst because Rusty's the worst. But just like, yeah, this. Everything that Dr. Girlfriend was saying beforehand was absolutely right. He is was a terrible boyfriend. But then he knocks her unconscious, and now he's like professing how much he loves her. It's like, oh god, what a
0: douche no he's such a dork and a douche <laughs> and he's terrible not as terrible as rusty but he's just about as bad uh we see brock using his new caulking gun on a henchman i love that he like sticks it into the guy's gut lifts the guy above his head squeezes <laughs> the trigger and you see caulk like flying out of the guy's mouth nose
1: his <laughs> mouth and nose yeah gross
0: uh rusty gets punched hard in the face and loses his glasses hank while running up the down escalator uh, throws his football trying to, like, take out one of the henchmen. And, of course, mm-hmm. it's a Nerf football, so it does nothing. The henchman mm-hmm. turns around and shoots Hank right in his belt buckle, and he goes flying down the escalator, landing on Dean. And uh, Dean's speed suit, which has this crotch area with so much extra fabric, is now mm-hmm. – st- the extra fabric is stuck in the escalator, and he's, like, being pulled underneath it by his crotch. <laughs> which-, which was
1: such a big fear of mine as a kid because I remember there were, like – One of those news programs, like maybe like 2020 or something, where they would like tell those horrific stories of like absolute like freak accidents. And I remember there being one about a kid's shoelaces getting stuck in the escalator. And then it like pulled him in and like crushed him to death or whatever something yeah, crazy like that
0: everyone had heard that story i don't think it ever truly happened but it it's sure enough made you respect that escalator
1: yeah i don't know how it could possibly happen but i remember seeing this this like news story about it or something so i was terrified of escalators until i'm going to say college i would walk on them but like that that gap between the regular ground and that first step of the escalator. I was always so scared that something on my person was going to get stuck in there. And here's his, his junk is stuck in there.
0: Yeah. Uh, No, I, I for sure would like check my shoelaces before getting onto an escalator just to make sure they weren't like untied, like, Oh, it's untied. I got to stop. I got to stop. I can't get the escalator with untied shoelaces. Can't do it. Uh, Rusty is now looking for his glasses on the ground, and when he finally finds them, we see that his right oh, eyeball... Oh. Yeah, this made me also <laughs> kind of... Oh. Um, his right eye is knocked completely out of his head. It's dangling by its optic nerve, and he can see both directly in front of him, <laughs> and as well as directly down in front of him at the mm-hmm. same time. Which... Oh, oh, which and they,
1: his... Yeah, they show in like a split screen, and it it took me like a split second to realize what was happening, but then I did. And then I just gagged all over again.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's nasty. Um, So after Hank is shot, the monarch kind of like goes, what was that? wondering like, what's the gunfire. He then drops Dr. Girlfriend because he's distracted and then also crashes himself. I guess, no, he doesn't crash until a bit later, but he drops Dr. Girlfriend. We see that she lands on top of Hank and Dean. Luckily Brock goes after the guy who is shooting and he gets shot himself. And uh, then just about as this guy is going to shoot Rusty in the face is when the monarch then just fall and lands on this last henchman, stopping him. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, but then, of course, the monarch sees the mall security coming and says, mall security, run! <laughs> uh, the henchmen scoop up Rusty and take him with them. Phantom Limb now peeks over the edge to see what the hell just happened. He says, I won't let you keep her, monarch. And then he sees uh, Brock bleeding and unconscious in the ground. He's like, oh, hello. What have we here? And we then cut to Phantom Limb with Brock in what we assume to be Phantom Limb's lair or his house. He gives him a whole like welcome to hell speech which Brock is like, you know, yeah, whatever. Come on. <laughs> and yeah, he's uh,
1: not super convincing.
0: No, he's just like, finish your speech so I can kick your ass kind of thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's too... Um... I don't know, like elitist and pompous to, to be that scary.
0: Yeah. Uh, the Phantom then says, you know, hang on, Brock, you need to rest because you've been shot. I have removed the bullet and the others, a blow dart, two shark's teeth, the tip of a bayonet, a twisted paperclip, and a meager handful of buckshot. I suggest you try ducking in the future. And of course, this is all just from his right bicep. Imagine the rest of the metal that's in the rest <laughs> right. of his body. My god. That,
1: yeah, I liked that bit.
0: Uh, it's a good list game. Oh, yeah. He's, he's going to take the Phantom down. And he's like, going to take him down in one minute, but first I want to hear what happened to the family. And then we get into the, some of the more bureaucratic parts of the guild, the Calam- Calamitous Intent I put down, because he then starts rattling off like facts about like how the monarch is operating as a full-costumed... Uh, 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 he's operating in full-costumed aggression without a guild license. His henchmen <laughs> are using level 5 offensive weapons for a level 1 threat... And they've kidnapped my girlfriend. But yeah, like, like the level one and level five, the you know operating without a guild license, all this stuff, you're just like, wow, you guys have a lot of rules as far as what you can and can't do.
1: I'm glad you just reread what he said because I heard him talking, but it was just like a glaze went over my eyes and I was like, I yeah. didn't hear anything. Okay, yeah, that right. all makes... Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. That all makes, <laughs> okay, a lot more sense. Okay. <laughs> and no. I think it's funny in theory.
0: Oh, yes. And then I think that was some of the notes I took from – or maybe I didn't write it down. But, yeah, they were just saying, uh, oh, yes, uh, the episode – this episode in particular shows the difference between scary people in the real world, a la, like, these kind of tough gangsters who use real guns and shoot mm-hmm. at, at will – And the guys who professionally run around in costumes being idiots is what the note says from Doc Hammer. (laughs) He's like, this this really shows that like there are real dangers and then there are guild dangers and how they're two very different things.
1: Yes. Very contrived, uh, not super dangerous
0: dangers. Mm -hmm. Like, like again, like the monarch is uh, like a level two threat. So all he can use for his weapons are sleep dart guns. Like that's what you get. You can't go any higher than that. You're a level two. Yeah. Phantom then also tells Bronk that the entire family has been taken by the uh, the monarch, but that's not true, of course, but that's what the Phantom assumes has happened. He doesn't know the truth. Mm-hmm. We see the monarch is now yelling at his new henchman, asking where they got real guns. Where did you get real <laughs> guns? <laughs> uh, he demands that they hand over their firearms, but of course they all point their pistols in his face, and we see Rusty and the monarch and uh, 21 all start raising their hands in surrender. Mm-hmm back at the mall parking lot we see Dr Girlfriend uh, leading Hank and Dean around asking you know, where'd you park your car where did we what <laughs> 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 Dean's questioning the whole time like who are you how do you know Brock how do you know who we are because yeah. of course while they have met Dr girlfriend before they are brand new boys and obviously don't have that memory somehow or have they met her before I would prefer-
1: I don't know I was thinking that they probably hadn't is what my assumption
0: was you well, we know Hank for sure did because there was the time when Hank and Brock were hanging back on the cocoon. And uh, remember uh, Brock kind of was like attacking the cocoon and the monarch's birthday. And he had like, so Hank for sure has met Dr. Girlfriend before, but I guess Mm. maybe Dean hasn't. That's why he's questioning it the whole time. And Mm. Hank's Hank's also just kind of being cool this whole time. He's like, yeah, I'll drive. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because, yeah, uh, Dr. Girlfriend's having Hank drive because I never drive mad.
1: Oh, did she say mad? I thought she said, I never drive men.
0: No, no, I I never drive mad.
1: That (laughs) is better and funnier. Because she's she's mad.
0: (laughs) Super pissed off that the monarch has done this and that all this shit's happened so far. That's why she's going to help the boys get their father back and go confront the monarch at the same time. And, of course, uh, Hank is nervous about the uh, task of driving, but. Dr. Girlfriend's just, like, assuring him he knows what he's doing, even though he's never <laughs> done it before. Like, you know, that yeah, is the He clutch. absolutely
1: does not, but she is, she's just going for it.
0: Yeah, she's like, see that left pedal there? That's the clutch. Put your foot on it. And then, of course, just as they're about to take off, Dean says, wait a minute, are you our mommy? <laughs> <laughs> and that just becomes a running gag throughout the rest of the episode. Uh, we now see that the Monarch, 24, 21, and Rusty are all in the brig, Mm-hmm. and uh, the monarch is going mad. He's like, I can't believe I have to share the same space with my arch enemy. To which Rusty finally says, what did I ever do to you? And the monarch can't even get out what, his, what he's angry about. He's so incensed. He's like, you can't, you don't, ah, I hate you so much. And of course, before we actually get an answer as to why he hates him, of course, uh, 21's like, hey, we could just take the ship back ourselves. We can't get to the armory, but we're right beneath my bedroom where I've got a whole weapon arsenal we can use to take back the cocoon. Of course, everyone besides 21 says there's no way in hell he's going to fit through the air ducts because he's way too fat.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is uh, how I always feel whenever they're like, yeah, let's go through the air duct. I, in when I, as an audience member, am watching, I'm like, yes, you could fit through an air duct. I would sit in the room and wait for you to go through the air duct and then come back out and then unlock the door because I would not fit through an air duct. I would not fit through the tiny window above a bathroom. I would not fit... In a lot of places.
0: (laughs) So I wanted to share this story because I, when I was in Wales, uh, went spelunking a few times, went caving.
1: Ah, yes.
0: And in our kind of training for this, like we went to this cave that the guy who instructing us had been to before. And it was kind of a way to like test our merit as far as things we'd learned, as far as like getting in and out of small spaces, there was this Mm -hmm. hole in the floor that you would not believe you could fit through. And like everyone in the group did granted, we're all like 21 years old and mm-hmm. only some of us were like kind of heavy set. I was still heavy set, and I was surprised I got through but there was one person in the group who got kind of stuck it was my friend Sarah
1: mm-hmm.
0: and she was a you know a curvier girl and had a fairly big bosom and so like mm-hmm. she had gotten down into they the hole
1: fit anywhere let me tell you
0: no I know <laughs> so she had gotten herself down into this little hole we all had to get down into and then we had like get back up, like, like putting her arms up first and then, like, pushing with her legs and her hips to, like, wiggle her way back out. Well, she got mm-hmm. to about here and was like, I'm really stuck, guys. Like, my, my boobs got down in. I can't yeah, get them back out. they don't we, go and, the other way. And we had to, like, really, like, lift her out by her arms as she pushed with her legs. And, like, it was it was a struggle. And she said, she's like, oh, my God, I've got huge bruises in the top side of my breast because of getting out of that goddamn hole.
1: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's sort of like, you know how cats' whiskers are are like sensors for if their whiskers can like fit through a space that's Mm -hmm. then they know that they can fit through that space. Um, As a fellow uh, big bosomed, like curvy person, I need whiskers. I don't have a clue. Like my hips and my boobs hit things all the time that I'm like, are you kidding? I can't fit through that space. Wow. I have been walking for 33 years and I just, bumped my boobs into that thing and like I've got this is I don't think you can see this is my pantry
0: mm-hmm. and it is
1: like this wide oh no and so on the top shelf and it's deep though So like on the top shelf I put stuff up there and now I'm trying to reach it and I'm like I literally cannot physically reach the top shelf of this pantry because my boobs won't let me get in to, through this doorway,
0: let me buy
1: big boobs. I need whiskers and/or smaller boobs.
0: Or you need like a, one of those little extension arms that can reach back into that pantry.
1: I guess I could do that.
0: <laughs> uh, we then are now seeing Brock, and he's got this weird device on his arm, and uh, the Yeah, phantom, what he, is that? He explains that it's a muscle growth accelerator that he had built, and he even says, it's it's from my days before I became an evil supervillain. Basically, it's saying I think it's the device that he used to, like, make his arms invisible with these, like, weird oh. muscle growth accelerators. fainted Lim kind of says he wants to work with Brock to save Dr. Girlfriend and the family. Brock is a little apprehensive, but uh, he's starting to learn to trust Fenton Lim that he's like removed his bullets and he's like yeah. helping him out by like strengthening his arm again. He's like, oh I maybe want to work with you too because this is seeming more and more like a good idea.
1: Yeah, there's like a little hint of a bromance going on. A little bit.
0: Yeah. Uh we now see that the four men who were in the brig have indeed now gotten through the air ducts. After dousing 21 in a help, <laughs> generous helping of WD-40. Which, which I'm sure would also work. For Resty said he somehow had on his person because he carries it at all times. Like That was like hidden on his speed suit was a can of WD-40. And we uh, he then opens up his closet to show his mm-hmm. quote-unquote weapons. Uh, and while we don't see them right away, we understand that they're unimpressive. Is this mm-hmm. them? Are these they? <laughs>
1: <laughs> which I don't think is correct, but... I think it's, are these them?
0: Oh, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm a pedantic. I don't know. My so. grammar. Uh, but now we see that the weapons are indeed not what you would think. They're not real weapons. They're more so collectibles. He's got a set of, like, Wolverine claws, a, a He-Man action figure, a Captain America shield, and a Lord of the Rings sword. Uh, but, of course, it's mint in box, so he won't let them take it out of the box to fight with. And he's right. Uh, We see Brock and Phantom Lim once again prepping for their mission to go uh, ambush the Cocoon. They're getting on these like fancy helicopter backpacks, which were pretty cool, I thought. I made this note that as they're like gearing up and like getting guns and things, Brock is like saying, you know, what about uh, under the armpit or by her uh, her navel? They sometimes put him in there. And so it's him questioning Phantom Limb and whether or not Dr. Girlfriend may have gotten like breast implants or had like plastic surgery to become a woman. It's again, him questioning that she is indeed a woman.
1: Oh, I missed that part because it comes up again later and I was confused as to why, but okay, that makes sense.
0: He's like, like, "Uh, maybe on the navel, they sometimes put him in there and Phantom Limb's like, you know, I can assure you that she is old woman trying to shut Brock down. Like, you know, shut the fuck up. She's she's a cool lady, leave her alone. Uh, we then see Hank uh, driving, which seems very reckless. But he's also not getting off the road. <laughs> Dr. Gervin's left ear right here, oh, yeah. and we see that she has uh, like a like a tracking device, and it's like her little like makeup clasp is like a smartphone. It has like a screen on it where she's like tracking. Yeah, her little compact, yeah. compact. I couldn't think of the yeah. word. Thank you. She's a cool little like smartphone compact, and <laughs> Hank just keeps going. I'm driving.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that bit. Uh, yeah, they could have just, they could have bombed us over the head a thousand more times with that bit because I did think that was very funny.
0: And at least like twice, I think Dean's like, Mommy, are we doing this? I'm not your mommy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, those are both good bits. I I like this. Um, it's a weird combination of characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And then she says something about how she hid the tracking device on the monarch somewhere uh, and the voice asks, like, how did you do it? Like, where is it? And she's like, Oh, I just put it on my tongue and then I shoved it. You know what? Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Back on the cocoon, we now see that Brock and Phantom Limb have have started to take out the henchmen that have mutinied, And we can see that they now have kind of a mutual respect for each other. They even kind of like working together. Mm -hmm. Uh, After they take, as they're taking down the last two henchmen, they kind of have some fun. Like Phantom Limb's like, oh, here, this is a fun gag. He like lays out on the floor like, oh, help me. My limbs have come asunder. (laughs) And then Brock's like, come on, he'll put him out of his misery. He's bleeding to death here. And they kind of have some fun taking care of these last two guys.
1: Yeah, a very weird um, ploy. Again, it, it felt like a very 80s buddy buddy cop movie type a li- bit. A,
0: a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Two sides of the same train track.
1: They thought they hated each other, but it turns out sometimes they get along.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, of course, after they've taken care of the last two guys, uh, Brock hears, like, a sound outside the cocoon. He's like, what's that? My car. <laughs> and just yeah, he, he recognizes
1: says, the sound of his own car.
0: My car. It bursts through the walls of the cocoon and lands right in the middle of the throne room, to which he yells, ah, I just fixed that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I wondered if this is going to become, like, a they killed Kenny thing, where every episode now is going to be Brock's car <laughs> busting through, like, a window or a wall.
0: That's a good thing to After think about. After he fixed it. I'm trying to think if they do it more often than that. Yeah, no, his, his car gets pretty smashed up pretty often now that I think about it. They do that a lot. You're right. Brock is glad to see that the boys are fine and that they're safe with Dr. Girlfriend. But they are now wondering where Rusty and the Monarch are. Like, well, if they're not with you, then where are they? We now see, of course, that the four men who have armed themselves with 24's collection are getting ready to burst into the room. Uh, Monarch is wearing some Hulk hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rusty is wearing Magneto's helmet. Mm-hmm. 21 has Captain America's shield, and 24 is holding the boxed sword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All ready for ammo or ready for combat. He says, We're going to get our asses kicked because we didn't have breakfast.
1: <laughs> that is exactly how I think, and I think he's right. And uh, that is something I would say wow, if I didn't get exactly the right amount of sleep, if I didn't eat exactly the right breakfast, if I didn't, you know, if I slept wrong and my neck is sore. Boy, that just not only am I gonna get my ass kicked in a fight, but the whole day is gonna be ruined. I
0: was gonna say that sounds like stay out of Deanna's Way Day.
1: Yeah. And it's they happen more often.
0: <laughs> Getting old sucks. Yes, it does. Hey, I'm older than you. Calm down.
1: My body has definitely decided it's much older than it should be, though. So
0: Oh yeah, no. Uh listeners, once you pass the age of 30. You don't really want to drink to excess anymore.
1: Couldn't possibly. Oh, my God. You kind of learn your lesson
0: quick (laughs) on that 30th birthday. You're like, oh, oh, what did I do last night?
1: Yeah, when the hangovers last twice as long as the, the buzz. Yeah, no. No, thanks.
0: Yeah. But so finally, the four of them burst out of 21's room as Brock and Phantom Lim are hearing like, hey, what's that? They all kind of get ready for a big fight we then cut to the credits and here i've been you know we hear a wilhelm scream which i always love
1: oh my gosh i can't believe i watched this episode with my husband adam and he always points out wilhelm screams so i'm surprised that he didn't notice that one i don't notice them i i couldn't possibly tell you the difference between that scream and any other scream sound effect in the whole
0: world well then i would just say go to youtube and find wilhelm scream montage and it shows you that screaming like 50 different movies over the past 70 years. And you will then remember the Wilhelm scream. <laughs>
1: I'll be able to pick it out if I hear it enough.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, we then cut to credits. As I said, uh, once we come back from the credits, we can see that the monarch was the first person through the door as he got the beating <laughs> the most. His like teeth are knocked out. His face is all mangled. And uh, we are assured, though, his vitals are all right. So he's not going to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Hank asks, who are, who are all these people? Are they all of mommy's friends? (laughs) For the last time, stop calling me your fucking mommy.
1: Yep, that's still a good bit.
0: And then uh, Dr. Girlfriend asks that Phantom Limb not punish the monarch too much for what he's done. Uh, You know, all all he was doing was being foolhardy and being in love with me. Mm -hmm. And of course, Phantom Limb says, "Uh, I agree. No man is immune to her charms. To which Brock says, no man. I'm still looking for scars on her. And then, of course, the Phantom Limb then darts Brock in the neck. For the insult. Fair Everyone enough. kind of looks at the phantom like, What you do? He goes, What? I'm a super villain which I think is a great ending. <laughs> like like, yeah, we, we spent the day fighting together. I'm still the bad guy. Give me a break.
1: Yeah, especially among this Motley crew, it is still like a reminder, like he, just because he is the the classy snooty guy, yeah, he actually is still still a wannabe villain. I don't know. I haven't seen him do anything villainous, so I can't speak to that, but he
0: had done some bad stuff in the past because he is as far, as you know, like a high ranking member of the guild. So Mm. he's like, you know, maybe not behaving so badly now. He probably was a pretty evil guy back in the day to get the reputation he has. Mm. This about all for the show. There are one last note from the book. Uh, said so that this episode brought the show into its own, truly. It was no mm-hmm. longer even remotely a parody of Johnny Quest at this point. So they really felt they were like, you know, okay, now we're past being that thing we thought we were. Now we're this new thing and we know what we are now. We're going to just gung-ho go for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I did like this episode and I do like if that is accurate, then I like where they're headed and what they're thinking.
0: I, I think you're going to find this uh, season, it's going to just brighten your day every time you watch a new episode. So I really can't wait to get further along and, and see what you like, what you don't like. Uh, but I think more and more, you're going to find things you like, Deanna.
1: Well, good. I will gladly take that. And yeah, the, the once a week enjoying a TV show once a week, just like we used to have to wild.
0: Mm-hmm. Any other comments or questions about the episode before we wrap it up?
1: Um, I did just want to say how much I liked that recurring bit of uh, Hank saying that he's driving, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and when he busted through the the wall, and then they landed, and the boys both like simultaneously like jump out and like put their fists in the air, and they both say something at the same time. I don't know what Dean said because all I heard was Hank saying. Hey, Brock, I drove. <laughs> <laughs> just so cute. I love, I love them. They're so cute. And their relationship with Brock is just so cute.
0: Oh, yeah. No, they are much closer to Brock than they are with their own father. It's adorable.
1: Yeah. Who, again, hate him.
0: He's the worst. Damn you, Rusty Venture. But, of course, without Rusty, we wouldn't have the boys.
1: That's true. That is so true. I did, yeah. I, I especially noticed in this episode the, the difference in the boys' personalities. And, yeah, like with that, the whole car scene with Dr. Girlfriend of, like, Hank, um, yeah, trying to be the cool guy and driving. And mm-hmm. Dean just being confused about his mommy. Yeah. So yeah. I I do like the differentiation of the two of them for my own brain's purposes so I can keep them apart but yeah that's uh, and they'll huge, just start dynamic
0: developing more and more into very different people which is again what makes the show better and better as you get along further and further. Mhm. All right, well, I think that's it for this week. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at go Team Venture pod and make sure to follow us on Spotify, Stitcher or Google Podcasts for new episodes each Tuesday. Tune in next week for the episode Assassin Nanny 911 and as always Go Team Venture!